and you can share, of course, your journey in training, but let's Well, I think, you know, yeah, I think particularly with, with surfing, because again, I think the things are so, in, you know, they're anagalous. Yeah. Yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, but there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of similarities and a common thread between the two. Um, I think just like recognizing the risk and how much is at stake. Because with surfing, I had a couple of really close friends of mine die surfing big waves, guys I grew up surfing with and idolizing and um, surfing really huge waves with and having some close calls with, and those guys died. So that was just a, way, a really huge wake-up call. And then I had two really close calls in really big waves where I nearly drowned um, two times where I felt like that was it. And so just being able to recognize how truly risky it is. You're listening to the Steady Trade Podcast. A podcast that inspires traders to make meaningful strides and pursue their passions. Your hosts are Tim Bowen, the lead trainer at Stocks to Trade Pro, Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street coach, and Steven Johnson, the up-and-coming trader who's always willing to learn. Together, we'll sit down with experts to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and discuss how all traders can level up their trading careers. Welcome back, everybody, to the Steady Trade Podcast. Tim Bowen and I today have a really cool guest. Uh, Shane Dorian is somebody that I am a secret fan of uh, ever since I started to pay attention to surfing. And part of the reason Shane is here today is because for so many years as a coach, I spoke to emotions and how we have to surf emotions similar to the way somebody has to surf a wave. And then at some point, you know, four years, five years saying that, I thought, I better know how to surf. I better <laughs> learn how to surf if I'm going to use this metaphor all the time. So I took some surfing lessons on the Jersey Shore, not in Hawaii. Hawaii was not even in my eyes. What are, you, what are you surfing on the Jersey Shore? Like a trash can lid or what? No, no, <laughs> let me tell you, it's serious surfing in Jersey. It is not for the faint heart. I almost drowned in Jersey on those waves. So trust me, it's serious there. But so Shane Dorian, let me just like sing his praises for a minute. So he is an American surfer born in Kailua, Kona, which is the island I live on now. Shane lives here still. Uh, he spent 11 years on the World Championship Tour as a pro surfer, and then he quit competitive surfing 2003 so that he could focus on big waves. Uh, he's one of the best big wave surfers in the world, and if you guys don't understand or know what big waves are, you really should just Google that, and you will just like have your breath taken out of your body because it is just so harrowing. I can't even say. Um, and he also does a little bit of trading, which, you know, I found out from him. So he's going to talk or not talk about that as much as he wants. But I feel that there's so much similarity between the emotional uh, stamina and discipline that you have to have as a trader that can relate to surfing, which is why we invited him here. So welcome, Shane. Thank you for being here. Mahalo, as we say here in Hawaii. Mahalo. Thanks a lot for having me, you guys. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And, you know, one of the things, too, that I didn't know about you until I, I was, you know, I actually really enjoyed the documentary uh, Momentum Generation. That kind of blew me away. Uh, that documentary is about Shane's journey and other very, you know, famous surfers that kind of all came up in this little tribe. And I think, too, what I related to that documentary was how, you all had each other's back as you came up through the surfing industry and how that surfing industry 
didn't really quite exist at the level it does now. And you all had, you know, to have a tribe, and that's, this I've learned through Tim and Steve and our other co-hosts, uh, the Stocks to Trade, you know, is a tribe where you have people you can talk about, be vulnerable with, have people encourage you. I saw that in that documentary. I guess I'm just curious how much you feel that sense of tribe helped you as you were, you know, coming up. Yeah, it did. I mean, so much. I think, I think most, you know, I think most people can, you know, can really relate to that film just because, you know, growing up, most people have a group of friends that, that, you know, they grow up, um, you know, whether you're from the Midwest or from the Northeast or from Hawaii or whatever, it's like you have a group of friends that you grow up, you know, getting into trouble with or going to school with or what, whatever the deal is. And, and we were just really lucky because we were all super passionate about surfing. So surfing was the thing that kind of was our catalyst. It was a thing that brought all of us together. And we just, you know, we ended up becoming a really strong group of friends from the time we were probably 13 or 14 all the way until now. Um, and we're all from different places around the world. So it's really neat. Um, and we still have a really close knit friendship with, with our whole group. And yeah, it's just, it's been great. You know, we're kind of like a band of brothers and we, we, we are all, all on a, on a really big, uh, groups, group text thread, which is hilarious. Like every day I get funny <laughs> jokes and we talk about whatever. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm just really, really lucky to be part of such a great group of friends. Mm-hmm. Do you think my, my analogy of comparing the emotional, uh, fortitude you have to have for surfing is similar to what one would have to have for trading? Like, tell us about your trading as little or as much as you're comfortable with. Trading super easy. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I sense the sarcasm. I sense the I yeah. didn't. I was like, what? <laughs> but you're a big wave surfer, so maybe well, true. Yeah, yeah, big exactly. wave yeah. surfing is, is easy. Hey, I, I, I've, I've taken big losses, but I've never been like crushed 50 feet underwater before. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah. They're, 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 you know, they're, um, I definitely see some similarities between surfing really big waves and with trading. Obviously, the risk the risk versus reward and, you know, having to, having to have a set of rules, you know, to, to, uh, you know, guide, guide your actions and to keep, keep your emotions out of your decision-making process. I think there's a lot of, you know, for me, when I'm surfing, like the, you know, the way I approach really big waves is I have, I have two little kids and a wife at home and, you know, I, I have a lot of responsibilities. So for me, I have to be able to justify my choice to, put myself in danger and surf really huge waves. I've had a number of friends that have passed away surfing big waves. And so for me, I have to take a lot of different precautions for myself. And so I, I've created a set of rules that I surf by essentially. And so I sort of have to tick all these boxes in order for me to put myself at risk. Um, and so when I approach a really big day surfing, I have to be able to, to say, okay, this is, this is very risky. So I have to make sure that, that it's a very high reward, meaning, you know, like the, like the potential that I'm going to get the, the wave of my life or the kind of ride that I'm going to remember forever is there. You know, it's like, it's like a, it's like a nine out of 10 or better on a condition scale. It's like a nine out of 10 or better on a size scale. You know, the, like the weather's right. The sun's out, the, 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 the wind is calm. The waves are huge. Um, I have a safety team in place. I have my safety gear in place. I've, I'm feeling super confident physically, mentally. I've been doing my training. I have the great equipment. So all these things line up to give me confidence. And so I can go out there and, you know, make a really good decision and 
surf with as little risk as possible with the biggest reward possible. And I just, you know, for me, like having rules in place when I go and surf really big waves is essential. Man, I tell you, um, first of all, love it. Um, you know, obviously I know you haven't had time to listen to the podcast, but, um, that's exactly the stuff I preach with, with trading and, and you know, hopefully Kim will have my back on this, you know, totally. actually I grabbed my little worksheet, you know, you're talking about your nine out of 10. I've got these 10 criteria that I preach all the time. And I tell people, I'm like, listen, if you're checking three out of 10 boxes, don't waste your time. You know, the, the, the edge isn't there. The reward isn't there. Yeah. You're probably going to, you're probably going to lose money. Maybe you'll break even at best. Um, so I, I love that nine out of 10. That's something I say all the time. And then, and then the second thing, and hopefully this doesn't feel like too much of a bro fest, but you know, I, I, uh, I I do the same thing with the fingers, you know, that which when I'm breaking down these trades on the podcast, I'm like, okay, you know, strong chart, good earnings, you know, hot sector, you know, this is the float, this is the market cap. And then there's always a couple negatives. But, you know, if you got five positives and one or two negatives, that's the trade you make. So, yeah, there's nothing perfect. But, you know, as long as like the probability is really high, you know, you can, you know, can minimize your risk and, you know, be able to look at it from like a, a, you know, that's that's just what I do, like with big waves, because the waves don't get really, really big really often. But, you know, but it happens from time to time. But when the waves are epic and the conditions are right and it's a nine out of 10 or better, that's extremely rare. So I spend most of my time preparing for those days. And when that window of opportunity is open and I feel like it's really worth the risk, then I go all in. Um, and, and then, and then that's when, you know, I see my best results and it's, and and it's very similar with trading for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, and especially, and I don't even know, you might, are you familiar with the pattern day trader rule? No. You're probably not. Okay. So the, when, when you just, just a real quick breakdown for you, the audience knows basically most of our listeners are, are, you know, newer traders just dabbling. They maybe got a couple thousand bucks. So if you have less than $25,000 in your account, you're limited to only three day trades in a rolling five day period. So that just exactly what you said is what I preach to people. I'm like, listen, if you can only trade, a couple times a week, you can't be wasting your trades on these mediocre setups. And just like you, I mean, it's like, okay, this wave, this is the wave. I'm not going to miss it. You know, quit screwing with these mediocre setups because yeah. you're never going to grow your account. So, well, it's, it's pretty funny, you know, the way our egos work. Cause we want, you know, like <laughs> naturally we, you know, we crave the action and, and, uh, and, you know, we always want to be in the market. We always want to be, trying to like prove ourselves right. Or, you know, like we, that's just all ego based like decisions. So like it's, it's very similar with surfing. Like I have friends who do what I do surfing big waves and they chase every swell around the world, no matter how mediocre it looks. And I'm, and cause they just want that action. They want to participate. They want to, they, they just feel weird missing it. They have full FOMO. So I'm like, I just don't show up. I just like sit at home and chill and wait for the right setup to happen in, in the ocean. And, and it's very, very, very much the same with, with trading. I think that's one of those things where I think the rules really helps. I mean, actually, Kim, I'll let you take over, but I mean, it's like, 
I mean, out of out of the ten yeah. podcasts, I, I think Shane should be the new host. To be honest, I with think you. so too. I, I think he's doing he's, he's he's doing all my material, but doing it better. <laughs> <laughs> this is this, so the heart of what you're talking about that emotional, uh, you know, strength to to notice the ego's in charge, you know, you know, and you got these guys like I I've known service too who travel the world to find the perfect wave. When did you find you were able to notice that that was your ego and not keep chasing? Like for, for the traders that are young and beginning here, you know, they want to be in the action, especially now because of this market volatility. They're so excited. Even me, like Tim is teaching me and mentoring me. I, I'm actually very afraid because I do know how volatile it is. So I have this like, oh no, I don't want to go in there yet. But the ones, most of the traders I'm talking to, they can't wait to get in there. So how, what do you, what do you remember for your own journey when you were able to kind of subdue your ego? What, what was it that woke you up to it? You mean my journey in surfing? Yeah. And you can share, of course, your journey in trading, but let's Well, I think, you know, yeah, I think particularly with with surfing, because again, I think the things are so, you know, they're anagalous. Is that, is is anagalous the proper pronunciation? (laughs) Yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, but there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of similarities and a common thread between the two. Um, I think just like recognizing the risk and how much is at stake. Because with surfing, I had a couple of really close friends of mine die surfing big waves, guys I grew up surfing with and idolizing and um, surfing really huge waves with and having some close calls with, and those guys died. Um, and uh, so that was just a, way, a really huge wake up call. And then I had two really close calls in really big waves where I nearly drowned um, two times where I felt like that was it. And so just being able to recognize how truly risky it is, you know, made me, made me really like take a step back, especially when I had kids and, and I got married, um, I immediately had a different perspective of, um, you know, really having to come up with a way where I could really justify what I was doing and continue surfing big waves. And, and so, you know, one of the things I did was I started training like a madman so I could be as physically prepared as possible. And I noticed a correlation between being extremely physically fit and having my mental confidence there. And, and so when I go to surf really big waves, I want to be extremely confident. And the way I get that is just being super mentally and physically prepared. Um, So I do a lot of preparation on the off season. I would do a lot of preparation on the off times. I'd be in the gym five days a week. I'd be eating good, um, really taking care of myself. And, and I noticed that my performance went way up when I did that. And, and also being selective on the times where I would pull the trigger to chase a huge swell. Um, and that was really just just like noticing having friends die, having close calls, um, seeing how truly easy it is to die surfing really huge waves. And so just seeing how, how risky it truly is and not wanting to die. I want, I want to live for a very long time. I want to surf yeah. big waves for a, for a long time. I really enjoy the ocean. Um, but I have more important things to do than surf big waves. I love surfing with my children more than anything. Mm. Um, and so I just see the big picture now. And, and some of the, you know, I see a lot of similarities with trading because some of the most successful traders that I've ever studied or met, they're probably in the market the least amount of time. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so that is just, it just goes to show like it's, it's very similar with the best big wave servers. They probably surf big waves the least now, you know, they they have a lot of experience on the way up, but now they really 
pick and choose their windows of opportunity. And I feel like that's very similar, like with the top traders, they, they feel totally comfortable being out of the market. Mm. And then when the window of opportunity opens, they feel totally comfortable, you know, putting on that risk, uh, you know, when it's really worth it. I, I wrote down a couple of things from that and a hundred percent agree. I mean, you know, we, we all, you know, everybody hears about this 90% failure rate, but it's just, you know, just like you mentioned with building that confidence and taking care of yourself and, you know, and building up. I mean, I think one of the reasons the failure rate so high is people are trying to surf that 50 footer day one. And, you know, you, and in trading, the worst thing about trading is no one will stop you. You know, I think that's a, uh, you know, and that's where I, you know, we call it the steady trade podcast because we try and get people just to take baby steps. But I yeah. mean, broke, all you got to do is put money in your account, fire up your laptop and man, no one will stop you from doing anything. Yeah. So it's like, I just, the same I with surfing, Tim, well, like, I know, honestly, but you, you always speak about how there's nothing in the world that you can jump full you know, force into without (laughs) need like surf, except for trading. Like you don't need permission. You don't need a license. You don't have any requirements, but surfing is the same. You don't need, nobody's going to stop you. (laughs) I've never thought of that until just this minute. Nobody's going to stop you. And you could easily, certainly in certain places die the first. I mean, my second surfing lesson I almost died. So, you know, like nobody can stop, is going to stop you. Yeah. It's funny too, how humans work because we, you know, we might spend five hours analyzing prices of a toaster on (laughs) amazon.com, but have no problem like buying like $5,000 worth of some penny stock that, that, you know, may or may not go up 500%. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I see it every day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on the other side of what you spoke to uh, Shane, when you did experience your own, you know, near death, how did you find and what did you call on to have the courage to go back to surf again? Uh, at the time, there was no safety equipment that the top guys were using. They just would paddle out with their wetsuit and surfboard and that's it. Um, so I developed a inflatable wetsuit. And so like the way that, most big wave surfers die is, you know, they drown. They're just, they're just underwater too long. Um, and so they can't get back to the surface. So I, I thought, well, if I can make sure I get back to the surface, I'm going to survive. But you know, your, your chances of dying are very, very low if you're on the surface, because most of these big wave sessions, we have a safety team in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as soon as you go down, there's someone looking for you, but if you're underwater, they can't see you and they can't mm-hmm. find you. And there's too much white water and rocks and big waves happening. So they can't, go and search for you. It's not like a diving expedition. It's like giant waves, white water everywhere. So if you're on the surface, they can see you, they can come get you with a jet ski, you know? So, um, and so I developed this wetsuit essentially that has CO2 cartridges in the back with poles in the front. And so if I fall on a really big wave, I pull these poles, it inflates like a giant buoy on my back and front and it pulls me to the surface. I don't know if you've seen that like in backcountry skiing, now they wear like a backpack and if they wow. get caught in like a, um, in an avalanche and they get taken down by an avalanche, they pull this thing and literally pulls them to the top of the avalanche as it's sliding, wow. which is unbelievable that that actually works. Um, <laughs> but it, cool. it works really, really well in the ocean. And even though you have to hold your breath for a pretty long time, this suit will bring you up for sure. Wow. The surface, so it minimizes the risk by quite a lot. Um, yeah. We had a lot of people dying in big waves for a number of years Um, very consistently actually. And then from the time where I came out with a suit and there was nothing like it at the time, 
Um, from the time we came out with a suit and made it available, there hasn't been a single death in big waves. And that wow. was, wow. that was 2010 or 11. So wow. it's, it's been amazing. So I'm, I'm, it's not only made it a hell of a lot safer for me and it helped me justify continuing doing what I'm passionate about, but also helped a lot of people as well come home safely. So I'm happy about that. Beautiful. Thank, thank you for inventing it. I mean, talk about turning a harrowing experience into something positive. It's incredible that you were even informed, to, you know, said, okay, I'm going to try to solve this. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I just was essentially trying to minimize my risk to be able to, you know, make it worth doing. And, yeah. um, you know, that's just like another rule that I have. I, ha I have to have the suit now. So, yeah. Did you, did you have, uh, I presume that to be a big wave surfer, being a really good surfer on non-big waves is the only way you can kind of move to that level. Is that, is that correct? Yes and no. Um, you know, there's no barrier of entry to surfing big waves. It's just like, if you, it's, it's the same thing in the stock market. If, if you have, like, if you're, like, if your grandpa gives you a hundred thousand dollars in his will, yep. Like there's no barrier of entry to the stock market. You can just go blow yourself up in one week. And it's like that in surfing. When the waves get big, you can jump on your surfboard and paddle straight into the lineup and drown if you want to. And so we, you do have a lot of like tough guys and a lot of like people who have a lot of ego that don't have much experience and they want to, you know, go to the bar that night and tell everybody they surf giant waves that day at, <laughs> at Half Moon Bay or at Jaws or whatever these big wave spots are. And, um, so you get people that have very little experience and don't have the ability level and they just go out there and they're kind of like cowboys. Um, but you get like that in just every single thing that has risk. You have, you have that yeah. type of, you know, that you have that type of, uh, you know, personality type. I don't know what you'd just yeah, call I that, mean, but I like, mean, you, know, you, 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 you know, that, that cowboy mentality. So you joked about that in, in penny stocks. I mean, again, penny stocks is filled with it you know filled yeah. with it you know of these guys you know and and it's 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 funny i've been around you know i've been doing this full time for 15 years now but man it's like social media it always used to happen but now it's worse because just like you said i call them the bros obviously because i'm almost 50 but you know yeah. there's these bros that want to make these big gains and brag on social media mm. just like the big guy, wave guys want to go to the bar and brag and I, you know, and it bums me out, but I, I see it all the time because these guys will post big gains. They'll yap nonstop on social media for like a month. And all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. And it's like, well, I know what happened. It happens yeah. over and over again, you know, oh, yeah. but they're doing it for, they're doing it for ego. You know, they're doing it because they want to brag. I made five grand today. I made 10 grand today. You know? Well, then they're in a big rush. Yeah. I, th I think, I think that saying, I think I, I'm going to totally botch it, but I, I, I heard it and I love it. And it's, uh, people overestimate what they can achieve in a year and underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years. Yep. I think people are in a huge rush to become some incredibly successful stock trader or, you know, options trader or whatever it is, or big wave surfer, it doesn't matter. Yep. They just, we lack the patience. And if you can have a longer uh, timeline of, of a learning curve, you know, n number one, you keep yourself out of trouble. You protect your psychology by not getting yourself into trouble. And then, you know, over time you gain a lot of experience. I think, you know, having that kind of perspective is healthier. Especially so Kim, this is, I'm going to push it back on you, Kim. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the 22 year old 
you know, mm-hmm. 22 year old version of Shane and I, you yeah. know, that likes to take yeah. risks that yeah. doesn't have a family, you know, doesn't think yes. about tomorrow. Right. Right. You know, when I was 22 year old, I don't even know if I thought about later today, you know, <laughs> okay, ego. I mean, how do I, how do I control this or how do I, how do I manage this? You know, you know, I think, I, I think the question wouldn't even be posed probably by most, uh, if, let's just say immature 22 year olds. Like I, I do know a couple of 22 year olds that are old souls that are self-reflective, <laughs> yeah. but not one, that one many. Or, one or two on the planet, maybe. <laughs> maybe a handful more, but, but I'm a little more optimistic than you. But I think it's a, it's a really good question, but it feels, to me, even with what Shane's speaking to, you really just can't see your uh, vulnerability until you see it. So it sounds like, Shane, you, you saw it first with what happened to friends of yours. Then you saw it for yourself personally. And that maybe perhaps, how can it not mature you? How can it not make you start to become more aware? I mean, that's probably what has to happen for every 22 year old. And that's just maturity, right? You have to, you have to, you have to have the courage to go into something and then you have to, you know, see how you do. And that, but I think trading and I do think surfing is it humbles you freaking fast. Like there's just, it doesn't take long for you to get the memo. This is serious shit. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny because I, you know, I, I've, I've been, uh, so to get into the trading thing, um, I've, I've been trading since 2004. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. And, um, I have a group of really close group of friends who are all in the surf world that are really high level surfers. Um, and a, a really close group of friends of mine and they're all very relatively new traders and they have, you know, they're very interested in trading and, you know, they have some money. And so, you know, they wanted to learn as a group. And so I suggested, you know, let's, let's start a Robin hood group. Let's start a text thread and we'll all put in the same amount of money and we'll learn, learn through our group. Um, and I, I had a lot more experience than those guys. Not, I'm not a better trader than them, but I had more experience. So, um, you know, it's just been really interesting because, and everybody has a different style of trading. Everybody has a different, um, personality type. Mm-hmm. And you see everybody from people who just have, have, have no tolerance for research and they just want a stock tip to totally. like the buy and hold no matter what type of person <laughs> totally. who like oh, have wait. no problem like buying something and watch it go down 95%. So um, does it, does it seem like that showing up in their trading since you know them personally and as surfers, does it match their temperament, their personality as a surfer? Not a little, a little bit. Um, one of the guys is incredibly like a, the, the various, the various, there's, there's probably two people in my group that are like as the very top, top, top of surfing as far as pro servers go. Yeah. And one of them is very methodical. He's very, uh, he's a quick learner. He has a, he, he's, he's really inter- in, interested in like the fundamentals of, of companies and doing his research and, and he's not like a plunger. Mm-hmm. and and it's been neat to see his account because it's a lot it's like a steady grower and he's able to keep himself out of trouble and in, in rougher rougher markets and then the other guy is just a total plunger doesn't like to do any research just blows himself up over and over <laughs> and you know we have a little bit of everything and then we have a guy who's um who's who's only started like maybe like a year ago and he's kind of a crazy plunger and and um he's his account is crazy volatile but he has a 
insane knack for like, you know, like anticipating moves in the market and he's got some balls on him, but it's just his, his, his account is so erratic and so wild that I'm like, dude, you have to, you have to think of this as like a 20 or 30 year situation. You don't want to lose your psychology and lose your confidence by, I don't know how long you can withstand that, that emotional roller coaster of, of, you know, that kind of volatility in your account. So it's now just what, been- uh, what, 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 what do you get? I'm, 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 I'm always looking to learn. Always. I'm always curious. What do you guys, what, what kind of setups? Like what, 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 what's the, what's like, what's like a trade you were talking about recently or something? Well, um, I trade totally differently for the, you know, from those guys. Okay. I, I am, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, I'm like a intermediate term position trader. Okay. So, um, I buy technical setups of companies that I really want to own. So, um, I try to stick to businesses that I can understand the way they make money. Beautiful. So I stick to like technology stocks, like a couple of stocks I own right now is like a Coupa software, um, AMD, Microsoft. Um, what else do I have right now? Um, Norton LifeLock. Okay. Yep. You know that company. Yep. Anyway, um, I think the other day actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I, I try to trade relative, like kind of like high relative strength names that have good sales and earnings stuff that has good ROE stuff that I understand the way they make money. Like I said, and, and companies that have good in, institutional sponsorship, you know, have, have like an increasing number of funds that own the companies. Um, and yeah, so I, I try to, I try to stick to those kind of companies. And then, and then when I find companies that I really want to own, I try to find uh, low risk entry points. And I try to really exercise patience when waiting for those types of situations to set up. And then um, I try to um, make all those decisions before the market opens, like the night before or before the open, which is really difficult here in Hawaii because the market right now is opening at like 3.30 in the morning. Sure. So it's really <laughs> tricky. Now, I'm, I'm, now I got two questions. I'm curious, the, the guy with the crazy account swings, yeah. is he, what, what, what's, is he in penny stocks or, or what's he? No, doing? he's not. Well, he was. Okay. He was. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling yeah. he was a penny stock guy. <laughs> he, you know, it's just like the standard, like exactly what you think people are going to be into. It's just trying to discover companies, which is, I, that's my number one rule. Don't try to discover anything. For me, I'm like the master of the obvious. Yep. I, like I, that's like, that's, that's like my goal is to, is to like trade the most obvious stocks. It, there, I mean, there's, I have, I have no need to try and discover the next um, true great diabetes penny stock that nobody knows of yet. Mm. Cause I, I, the, like the things that I've missed that were so obvious, like um, I ride for monster energy. I started ride, riding for monster energy in 2004. I never bought the stock. I watched <laughs> it go up 8,000% sitting on the sidelines <laughs> And that was like the most obvious, like I was, I was, I was oh, yeah, they were like the hottest brand, hottest My, brand. I mean, they yeah. were everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And that yep. stock went up 8,000% yeah. <laughs> in six years or seven years. And then, uh, you know, this, the, the, the different examples of like super obvious stuff is when my wife started buying Amazon, uh, product, the boxes started showing up <laughs> at my house. If I would have just bought the stock right then. I would have paid for all of our Amazon uh, spending for the rest of my life. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Lululemon, if I would have started buying Lululemon when all the pairs of Lululemon pants started showing up at my house from my, my wife shopping, I would, I would probably be, be retired. I, I, I'm the same way with, 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 <laughs> chew, with Chewy. 
I yeah. still have never traded Chewy, but there's a freaking Chewy box on my doorstep every other day because we got dogs yeah. and cats, right. and that stocks at 52 week highs. I'm yeah. like, why didn't when, exa- I'm like when when there was a when there's more Chewy boxes than Amazon boxes? Come on, idiot, buy Chewy. Yeah. You know? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Pretty funny. Oh God. All right. So what is the overlap, well, Shane, for you when you've looked at just what you've journeyed through with your surfing? And I mean, it's a, it's a long time now you've been trading. So where do you, what do you see the overlap of the best qualities? Um, I, you know, I, th- I think it's just, um, probably patience hmm. is the number one thing that I see the common thread with, with the type of surfing that I focus on. Yeah. Uh, having the patience to, learn over time and having the patience to wait for the right wave or the right conditions, you know, the, have the right equipment, have, be totally prepared, um, you know, physically, mentally, um, have the right mindset and really, uh, you know, make decisions beforehand and then like net, you know, and then, and then have a a plan if things go wrong. (laughs) I'm like that with really big waves. I, I always have a plan. Like I've, I've flown to Portugal last minute, bought a $3,000 ticket, packed in one hour, drove to the airport, flew all the way wow. to Portugal from my wow. house in Kona for, wow. for a huge wave, for a huge swell. It was like a once in a year swell. Showed up, crazy jet lag, stayed up all night. Next morning, totally exhausted, couldn't stop falling asleep. Waves were massive, 80 feet. Wow. And I, I, and I paddled out in the ocean and, I had extreme jet lag and I had spent like $5,000 to go on this trip and I had a huge film crew and all this, thing, all, we had a safety, safety crew, all those things were happening, but I just, it wasn't the right day for me. I had a bad, I had a bad wow. feeling. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling a hundred percent. I had no energy. Yeah. I had crazy jet lag. I had like a runny nose. I wow. just like things, all these things were lining up to where they didn't match my rules of, of doing this in the best way I can. And so I just, ate that cost and I didn't fight my ego and I just wow. got back on the jet ski, went back to the airport and flew home. And I was totally wow. fine with that. Um, yeah. And that's the way I am with my trades. Things yeah. go into me. I'm out. It's yep. totally unemotional. I have rules in place. Um, and that has helped me so much. Can I even tell you? Wow. Yeah, I tell you, and you not know, just comes from experience of not doing it. Right. Right. Yeah. It, you know, I, I, if we, if we ever renamed, the podcast, it would probably be the have a plan podcast. I'm sure the <laughs> listeners probably are. So they're probably like, Oh God, here goes Tim on have a plan. But man, I just see it all the time yeah. where, you know, and, and you, I, I love that you brought up FOMO the other, a, a little while ago. I mean, people see this big mover and yeah. they just, they, they get in and then it's like, and then it turns and then it's like, well, like the classic, what everybody's does. First of all, they don't have a stop. They don't have a plan. They just jump in. It turns on them. Then they start like Googling and reading the news. You know, they're like, yeah. oh, what's the news on the stock? You know, it's oh, like, yeah, well, it's the worst thing ever. Yeah. It's like, maybe you should Never read the news before you got in. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I love your analogy. I mean, you, you, you took the stop, you know, with that trip. That's just, you got, yeah. you know, you that had five grand in, right there. You, yeah. you hit your five grand, you took your stop. You didn't go out yeah. there and risk your life. Just yeah. like you didn't risk your account. Yeah. You lost five grand, but you took a stop. And, and five grand is an acceptable loss versus your life or getting hurt or yeah. whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll 
fight another day, right? Yeah. And, you know, exactly. and keep the powder dry and that's a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what, how old were you when you started surfing? Uh, five on a surfboard. <laughs> Damn. So I, I started, you know, riding waves like on a bodyboard and, and, and body surfing when I was three. So like right when I basically like right when I started learning to walk, I started learning to swim. And as soon as I learned to swim, I started riding waves. So I just, wow. I grew up here in Hawaii. I was born and raised and, and my, my family had a little restaurant by the beach and there was a little, little place to ride waves there. And so I just grew up fishing and surfing and riding waves. So when do you think you knew that surfing really was like calling you? Like I, I liken it to like a priesthood, like when you have the calling, you know, when did that happen for you? I, I just, I didn't even have a calling. It was just who I was absolutely sure that's who I was. And this is what I was supposed to be doing. When I, when I started surfing, I just fell absolutely head over heels in love with surfing and, and just, I, I had to do it. I had to have it in my life. And I felt like it was part of my DNA straight yeah. from, straight from day one. And I just, I knew that's, that's what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life, whether it was, you know, I just, I never anticipated doing it for a living, but mm-hmm. I knew I was, surfing was going to be in my life forever. So it's pretty wild. Um, um, that story, I mean, as you're telling it just totally reminds me of my son. So I'd always kind of dabbled in fishing, you know, I've, I've fished my whole life, but my son, I mean, he's before he could talk, he was casting a rod, baiting his hook and taking fish off. We have videos of him. Can't even talk. And he's doing this stuff. I mean, he spends 200 plus days on the water a year, you know, in Michigan, wow. you know, yeah. cause you can't, obviously the lake's frozen half the year. Yeah. And, um, you know, he might be a professional fisherman. He might end up taking that route. We'll see. Yeah. But, um, you know, and it's funny. It's just like, he's just got it. You know, it's like we fish together all the time. We're on the same boat, same equipment. He'll yeah. always catch more fish and he'll <laughs> always catch bigger fish. And I'm like, how? I'm like, I cast right to that same spot. You know, so, yeah. but it just, as you were telling that, it just totally made me think of him. And yeah. I didn't teach him to fish. I, you know, he just had it, you know. Right. Well, your son, yeah, your son Jackson now is also moving very much, it seems, in your shadow. So do you feel that he as well had this inclination towards it? He was, he was about that same age, wasn't he? As you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, and that, it was a lot different for him, you know, cause, cause my dad surfed when he was very young, but he didn't, he wasn't surfing when I started. And, um, and so I never really surfed with my dad. And, and mm-hmm. so I found surfing really on my own. And so it was a very, it was, it was almost like finding, um, uh, like religion, like, you know, you, people who find, find God, like in this, that, that don't come from like a religion, never went to church before in their whole lives. And were totally like unaffected by any kind of influence. And all of a sudden they find God and it's like, that's who they are. That's how I was with surfing. There was like, there was no one telling me to do it. And so it's, it's a little different with my son because it's who I am. It's what I do for a living. And, you know, all my life is so affected and, and, and influenced by surfing. So when I had a son, of course, I wanted to, I, my, my perspective was I wanted to share that gift with him because it's been such an important part of my life, totally separate from doing it for a living, but just for my, my happiness or my soul, for my, for, for my sanity. Um, surfing has been like the number one thing in my life. It's how I met every single friend I have. It's how I met my wife. And, so for me, it's just been a really positive thing in my life in every single way. Yeah. So I wanted to give that to him, of course. Um, and of course, I, I 
took him surfing when he was tiny, when he didn't have a choice. (laughs) 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 And I made sure it was fun. I made sure it was safe. And I made sure it was, um, something that, that, you know, was, was, it was a really good time for us to bond and spend time together. But as soon as he could choose, he fell in love with skateboarding. And so for about a three year period, he didn't want to surf. He was like, that's your thing, dad, you, you surf, I'm a skateboarder. And so I I had to be really patient. And so I took him to the skateboard park for about two or three years straight. Um, And then from time to time, I'd be like, dude, I'm going to go to the skateboard park with you for five hours. You can at least go catch 10 waves with me. Exactly. (laughs) And so I had to wait for a while, but he came back to surfing on his own. Wow. um, And really fell in love with it in a really natural way. And, and yeah, he's become really good at it and he's got sponsors and he's, he's starting to go on trips and he's basically like a pro, pro surfer at 13, which is pretty strange. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. I was very touched with an interview of him where he talked about what his father taught him. And he said that he, you taught him to be kind and humble. And I was just <laughs> blown away by that. And I thought that That's was pretty like funny. pretty, pretty beautiful for him. He's a to, good kid. Yeah. You could see it. You could see even the seriousness he took of that, of that question and how much those two qualities, like he really gets what those qualities mean. It's pretty impressive. I hope so. so yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely came across like that. It so did. A couple, couple more questions. We'll, we'll kind of, kind of head home here, but uh, yeah. now I, I wanted to ask this in the beginning, but what, what kind of got you started in trading? What, what brought you to it? So, Oh man. So this is a wild story. Um, <laughs> Two two thousand and three, actually. Um, I was friends with this guy that I surfed with, and one day we went surfing all day. And while we were driving, we went, we went, we went like on a road trip, you know, like an hour and a half away from my house to go surf. And on that road trip, he was like, you know, my dad, he lives in um, in the Bay Area. He runs this big coffee business, and he wants me to move to the Bay Area to learn the business, take over the business. Um, and his dad owned the Coffee Bean, you know, the chain. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. so he, he's like, I don't have, he's a waiter, this dude. And he was like, I don't have, I have no, I don't want, I don't want to be rich. I don't want to live in, 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 in the Bay area. I don't want to work nine to five in a cubicle. I don't want to take over any business. He's like, I have no interest in it. And he's, and so he told his dad that, and they were estranged or whatever. And, and um, his dad told him, well, if you have any money at all, invest in Starbucks. Cause he's like, I know the coffee business. Wow. They're a competitor. They're a public company. So if you have any money and you want to make money over the next 10 years, I know their plan, they're going to absolutely crush it. And so he was telling me this on the drive and I was just thinking about it. And I was like, I didn't drink coffee at the time, but every time I drove by a Starbucks, it was, there was a line out the door. And I thought the story was over already because this is 2003. But at the time I thought Starbucks was everywhere, you know? And um, I thought the story was over. I thought it was, it was, you know, and, and I didn't know anything about stocks, but as soon as I got, and I had a little bit of money. I, I think I had like $5,000 that was saved up at the time. And um, it was with my f- financial advisor, but it was in cash. And, and, I, and I got out of the car, walked into my house, oh my picked up the phone, called my financial advisor and said, I want to put my whole $5,000 into Starbucks stock. And he's like, are you sure? And I said, yes. And he's like, okay. Wow. And so I bought Starbucks. I held it for three years. And so the next year, and so it went, it went nuts. It was right after the... 2000 to 2002 bear market. I bought it in 2003. Um, and so that one started going up, you know, and, and in the meantime, the next summer I bought my first iPod 
Um, and it was that white Apple uh, click wheel nope. iPod. It had a little yeah. circle on the bottom. Yep. And at the I time, I was traveling on the tour. Uh, so in surfing, you have like a world tour where you compete in events all around the world. And so at the time, I was traveling with a backpack full of CDs <laughs> because like my, like my life was traveling and I, I'd, I was on planes all the time. So I had all the music that I could listen to because there, at the time there was no, you know, like nobody had like a laptop with Netflix or anything There's like no that. Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, your yeah, only yeah, entertainment yeah. was music. Yeah. So I had a whole backpack full of these massive magazines of CDs. <laughs> and so I bought this quick wheel iPod and like my, my eight friends that I travel with on the tour – Every single person bought the same exact iPod, and we all went to France that week. We were in California. We bought the iPods the week they came out. We went to France. We all stayed in two big houses together. And in three days, I had all of my friends' music collections on my iPod. And I just couldn't believe it. And all of a sudden, my huge backpack full of CDs was obsolete. And I just went, there's no way this is real. I have 10,000 songs on this little thing. It's this big. I don't have to carry this backpack. Like, what am I going to do? The thing was useless. And I just had a full, like, I was like, it was, it couldn't have been any more clear. And so I call my financial advisor (laughs) and I had more money that was saved. And I said, I want to put everything I have in Apple. This is a game changer. And so, so I owned Starbucks for about a year at that time. And then I, and then I bought Apple and though, and then though, and then at that time when I bought Apple, my Starbucks was already up like 300%. Cause I had no like plan of selling sure. just buying this idea. Right. And so it's like a buy and hold type of situation. And so I bought Apple and then that started going up and up, that thing was up like 350% in like a year and a half. And I just went, there's no way it's this easy. That's this easy. And so I just become obsessed with trying to learn. And so it's a kind of a long story, but then I started reading like all the Warren Buffett biographies and, and I started reading all the, um, like all of the stock books I could and try to understand the market. And then I found William O'Neill's books and, um, and, and you know, like the Warren Buffett thing was really, really interesting, but I really just didn't get it. I didn't, yeah. I knew I wasn't a value investor. Um, and then I started reading like all the William O'Neill books and started going to his, um, his learning seminars. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> in, in Los Angeles. Oh, and, and, um, and I just got it. I just really understood growth stocks I just, I, I, I loved researching them. I loved, um, you know, buying what I knew and, uh, and yeah, that, 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 that was a start and I got, became obsessed mm-hmm. now. So that, that leads to my next question. So, so those two first stocks were my biggest winners of all time. Well, sure, sure. <laughs> those which is, were hard know, to top. Those were hard to top. Which, because, which again, is, that, that's know like the penny doing. stock story. That's what most hap- <laughs> most people happen in penny stocks. They buy two penny stocks that double and then they blow up. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I knew, I knew, I, I, I you know, I, I wasn't the smartest guy on earth, but I, 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 I knew that I had gotten really lucky with those two. That those are those are really unique experiences. So I wanted to try and figure it out to where I could know what I was doing. And, and I just thought, you know, I'm pretty young at the time I was really young. I was like, man, if this thing takes me five years or 10 years to, to, to figure out, um, you know, at that time when I'm done surfing, I'll have a plan and I can, and I can do this for the rest of my life. Cause I love doing, I'm super passionate about trading. I'm super passionate about investing. So I, well, that, that was, that's, that's where I was headed, man. I could tell you got the bug, you know, like yeah. I've had the bug, you know, I've told the story on the podcast. I actually remember looking at, the finance pages, like in elementary school, I've just yeah. always had this bug in me. So that was my next question. I mean, you, I could tell it's in you. I oh, mean, yeah. I love it. 
what uh what what's your plans for the future? Hedge hedge fund Dorian Capital? No, I tried that. I tried oh really? That. Yeah. <laughs> so I reached out to ten close friends of mine, and I wanted to see if I had what it took to trade other people's money. And so interesting. Um, Tell this story. I want to hear yeah, that. <laughs> and so I had uh, ten friends put in two thousand dollars each, and and I just started uh, an account with that with that twenty thousand dollars and. And, and I just said, Hey, like, um, this is what it is. And I wrote down this, you know, like a, like a prospectus of a hedge fund. And, um, and it was very informal as close friends. And sure. it was just, a it, and it wasn't anything to, for me to make money. I, so I put in $2,000 as well. And so it was, um, it was just a, it was just like an experiment to see if I had what it took to, 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 trade it like it was my own account and see if I could keep my emotions under control when I was trading other people's money instead of my own. And I didn't have what it took. I definitely underperformed in that account. And, um, and after two years, I gave everybody their money back. It was actually a treacherous time in the market. It was, um, at the start of it, it was like maybe four or five months, the end of 2007. So it went, into that massive bear market and it was fine because I'm a, I'm a trend follower. So I was out of the market, but, um, but yeah, I just, it just stressed me out way too much to, to deal with other people's money. Man, I tell you, um, it's funny. That's the reason I wanted to hear that story is 10 years ago when I started getting consistent, same story, same story, uh, exact same had some friends, you know, I'm telling them I'm doing well. And so they keep bugging me, bugging me. I'm like, no. And then I'm finally, okay, I'll do it. So I take their money and I did, I did pretty well for him. I think like 30% in six months, but it just, it was, it was gross. I did not like it. I just was like, <laughs> it, it took all the fun out of it because yeah. it was like, it was now I turned it from something that I was pet, like, you know, it was, I don't know. It'd be like, you know, like getting paid to hunt or something, you know, it just kind of like took the fun out right. of it. Yeah. And so six months I was like, I'm up They and they, they were bummed, but I'm like, your, here's your money plus your gains. I'm yeah. like, it's gross. I don't like it. You know, so yeah. it changed it, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it, it was a fun experiment and I learned a lot about myself and that was the, that was the goal. So yeah, yeah I think it made me a better trader, made me, made me respect risk a lot more and it was, it was good for sure. And I'm really, really close friends with, 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 with that whole, whole same group of people now. So it was good. That's awesome. And and you started with O'Neill too, right, Tim? Yeah, yeah. So like yeah. when I okay. finally, like when I got serious, so, you know, um, roughly 2005, 2006, um, my business was mature. It was doing well, but I was bored. And I was like, I want to learn trading. And, and yep, I, I, well, I still subscribe to Investor's Business Daily today. Um, I, I read it every day. Um, but I, yeah, I, I get the same thing. I started out reading all those. You probably got them too, the little pamphlets with all the, yeah. you get like one a week or one a month yeah. with the can slam. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, same thing. Now, the only difference with my story, and, and I still trade a lot of the stuff like that you do, you know, the, 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 the higher cap tech stocks, but, Basically, where I got to the point where when I was ready to retire and sell my business, I just was like, I was looking at penny stocks and well, in lower price, not like true penny stocks. Most yeah. of my stuff's like five to $10, but I was just like, man, you know, I can, I can recognize these chart patterns, recognize these setups. And I just like the bigger moves more because I didn't, you know, I was, I had the time once I sold the business, I had the time I could stare at the monitors all day long, but I still use 
the can slim stuff. Still same, same to slightly modified, but same idea. So same patterns as well. Yep. Yep. Same stuff. Yeah. Yep. So interesting. Awesome. Awesome. So what would you say would be your one or two or three tips to a beginner trader who is, you know, needing to have the discipline, maybe a little bit of the inspiration and the guts to do this work? Uh, what, what, what would you say based on your trading experience and, or your, you know, or even your, your, like with your friends, you know, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. Totally. You've given them advice. What, what, what would the, what has that advice been for our, for our listeners who are mostly beginners? Well, you know, first of all, I'd say just make sure that you're passionate about it. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you're not find someone good to manage your money for you. And that's totally fine too. If you don't have the time, if you don't have the passion, if you don't, if you don't care about understanding it, um, if all you're in it is for the money, then save your money and invest and have someone else trade it for you. I, think. I love it. Yep, yep. Um, that's the number one thing I would say. If you're truly passionate about it, go all in. And I'm not talking financially. I'm going. I'm talking about all in with your education. Read as much as you can. Find stuff that you truly understand. Um, you know, whether it's a system or whether it's a it's a it's whether you're a value investor or a growth investor or a, or a, you know, momentum trader or penny stock, whatever you get, there's great systems out there and, and um, find a, a rules based system that you understand um, and definitely have a plan, um, have a plan to get in and have a plan to get out every single time and uh, don't blow yourself up. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, you know, like, like again, when I got serious I, uh, you know, I had a, a business with 20 employees, thousands of customers. I had two toddlers, but when you say go all in, I was getting up at 5 a.m. every day to read books, look at chart yeah. patterns, you know, because I'm like, this is, you know, because I, I had the passion. And again, I love what you say. And I, I say that a lot. I mean, like, if you're getting in this because you need the money or you want to make money, man, good luck, you know, because yeah. it's like, you might succeed, but I mean, the people that are really good and the people that are around 15 years later, like you are, yeah, love it. And, and it's, and, and, and I think so many people just get in it because they're like, well, you know, I, I need to make money. I, and especially if you need to make money, I mean, if you're worrying about next month's mortgage payment, man, good luck, you know? So, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, this is a great time too, you know, it's in, for, for anybody who's new, you know, to go through, uh, you know, like a waterfall bear market like this, it's been super treacherous. I, I guess, I guess, depending if you're a day trader, you probably love the volatility, but right. <laughs> um, it's just been, it's been an amazing market to, to watch and, and, and live through and trade through. Um, and it's just a, you know, it, this hasn't happened in a very long time. So I think like looking forward, there's a lot of really neat opportunities. And I think, um, you know, if, if, if you still have an account after the last four months, it's a, that's a, that's a good sign. Now, what do you, uh, what do you use for most of your research? Do you use a platform or, or what do you, what do you, what do you use? I really stick to, um, O'Neill's principles. It's that I'm hyper-focused on that, but, okay. um, I am a member on Mark Minervini's platform. I don't know if oh. you know Mark Minervini. Yep. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's incredible. He's incredible trader. Uh, but he's like an O'Neill disciple. He, yep. he worships Bill O'Neill. And so it's all like Bill O'Neill's teaching, but, um, Mark Minervini has like a, like a, a great way of explaining things. And he's very, very detailed and super precise. He only trades like super crisp setups and, 
and he never chases any stock. I, I just really get what he's saying. And, um, he, his, his discipline is out of this world. And so I love, um, you know, being on his platform every day and like seeing it and learning in real time, um, so, sort of side by side with what he's doing and his group is doing. And he has like some incredible, and when I'm talking incredible, incredible traders on yeah. there, they're really, really good. And, and I'm always reading, I'm always reading a lot of different books. I have some right here is one of my favorites. <laughs> cool. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. You guys yeah. like that one? Oh yeah. Um, one of the best totally. man. So trade like an O'Neill disciple. Okay. <clears throat> um, trading in the cockpit with the O'Neill disciples. Um, what else do I got? How to make money in stocks, success stories. That's but I'm always, I'm always reading. I love books. I love yep, podcasts. And yep. um, IBD has a new podcast called Investing with IBD that um, my friend Arusha Paris does. He's a host and it's really good. It's amazing. He has great traders on there. So I, I usually listen to a couple podcasts a day. I do a lot of reading and then I do market research where I'm researching the companies I'm interested in, you know, catching up on news. I'm not really a news person or an analyst person, but um, I just like to read and, and research and, and build conviction in, 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 in the companies I like and learning more and more about rad companies out there are doing really innovative things, man. I tell you, you know, again, it's like, you know, I know I, I already said the bro fest thing, but it's like, I'm exactly the same way. I, I mean, I don't, I don't watch TV. I don't watch sports. I don't yeah. know what the Kardashians are doing today. Yeah. I barely know what's going on in politics. All I read is books or, yeah. or, you know, or, or Wall Street Journal or Barron's or IBD. And, you know, again, I think one of the reasons you and I are both here 15 years later is because of that, you know, is that you just got to be, you got to love it, man. So, yeah. You just have to have excitement because there's, there's so many neat opportunities coming up. It's I, always, I'm, every day I'm there's su- something new. Yep. <laughs> I'm such an optimist, you know, and this, this in 2020, there's going to be a lot of stocks that go up hundred percent, 200 percent, 300 percent. And we just got to be there to find them and have the balls to stick with them once we, <laughs> once we get in there, you know, so. Well, hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot you some emails. I've got, I'd like you to maybe check out Stocks to Trade. Now, Stocks to Trade is good for all prices of stocks, but we're kind of geared more towards lower priced penny stocks. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll, I'll send you a link, check it out. You know, okay, awesome. Thing. Thank you. So, so yeah. Cool. So. cool. Th- Shane, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing like what your journey's been as a, a trader. I mean, I, I don't think I, knew that you were going to speak about it so robustly. So I'm very excited that you were willing to do that. So <laughs> yeah, thank I mean, you. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely an amateur trader. And um, I, well, but I that's mean, what I, that's, I, I mean, I that's why, I, you know, I think you're, you're an awesome guest, man. I love it because again, you know, like I said, you know, most, you know, 99% of our listeners, I'm guessing, I don't know, you know, they're under a year into this. So it's like, you know, hearing your journey and, and that that's what people want to hear. And I think yeah. that's what people need to hear. Yes. Stuff you yeah, said, you know, right back to the beginning, the 10 criteria and uh, yeah. having a plan and, you know, and, and all that. I mean, that's and what, that's patience. what our listeners need to hear. So I should, patience. Probably, I should probably um tell you one more thing. And the, 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 this would be good for someone who's a little bit new to trading. Cause they probably relate to this is, my my plan was after the Apple Starbucks um, uh, experience for me, I <clears throat> I'm really close friends with my financial advisor, same guy still, and he's really good, super conservative, and he was very even though I had those two big winners and everything, he was like, look, you know that's highly unusual. Ninety <laughs> percent of people who try to trade their own accounts blow themselves up, um, so really really watch it and you know 
do it small at the start. And so what I did was I, I had an imagine, a managed account with Morgan Stanley, um, you know, normal asset allocation, basic account. And my plan was I had a small trading account, I, you know, like maybe 5% of my, of my tradable assets. And, and uh, basically I, I had that to play with. Yep. And I wasn't playing with it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You know yeah, I mean? totally. And so um, I told my financial advisor, I said, every year that I outperform your managers, I'm going to take a little piece from your side and put it on my <laughs> side. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. How, how do you handle that? How do you handle that? Said, That's totally fair. Yep. Wow. And so every year that I, I outperformed their managers, I took like 5% and put it on my side. 5% wow. put it on my side. And like, I think seven out of 10 years, I outperformed the- Beautiful. That is so freaking awesome. So how did he handle that? How did you handle that? I started very slow is my point. So I didn't want to get myself into trouble. I wanted to learn. Um, And I knew it was going to take a long time. It's so, so difficult. I mean, you're you're competing with extremely, extremely intelligent people. The smartest people in the world, man. Yep. (laughs) So that that was the way that I, I tried to minimize my risk over time and and still like now now at this age and where i am now i i I still also want to trade only a certain size account so i try to give give him more stuff to 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 have managed for me so i still even though my account's grown over time i i want to minimize my risk so i i I don't take on more than i feel comfortable with and and great that's something i tell people too i'm like especially if you're you're completely new. Like, like you, you told that story of somebody that, you know, their grandpa dies and gives them a hundred grand. I'm like, please take five. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, and, and leave that 95, you know, and, and take that five, see if you can turn it into seven, see if you can turn it into 10, two yeah. or three times. Okay. Yeah. Make sure like, like you did with your seven out of 10 years, then, you know, dip into that but 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 don't take the hundred please you know start out yeah. small and, and see if you or, you know you know and we talk about paper trading a lot paper trading has pros and cons but yeah i tell people you know like if you can't make money paper trading good luck with real money you know? right so and that's the humility that's what you know and your son said that's what you taught him so if if you taught your son you're clearly practicing yourself you're you're humility enough to know to tell your uh you know, manage your finance manager, like, Hey, watch this because I'm going to just work with this. Like that to me seems like pragmatic and, and wanting to be somewhat adventurous, but you know, keeping, keeping aware and conscious of all the factors that are beyond your control, all of our control. So that's awesome. It's such a great story. I'm glad you put that in there at the end. Yeah. Well, well, Jay, again, you know, I, 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 you know, when Kim and I were talking, I thought we would be like, you know, 95% surfing and 5% trading. It was like exact opposite, man. This was awesome. I love it, man. Um, would love to have you back, man. Um, Thanks, man. I appreciate that. You know, again, I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Um, I, I, you know, all, all Kim told me was, you know, you know, I, again, I knew you from Rogan's podcast and stuff. Yeah. And, and Kim was like, Oh, you know, he kind of dabbles in stocks. I didn't know you'd been doing it for 16 years. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun, man. I, I, I absolutely love it. So yeah. I mean, anytime you guys want me to, you know, come back on, I will for sure. 
Thank you. Thank you, Shane, so much. And for just being an inspiration in, you know, so many ways. And if you guys, our viewers haven't watched, uh, Momentum Generation, you guys gotta watch it because it's, it's gonna speak to you whether you're a surfer or not. It's about tribe. It's about having each other's back. It's also about success. What does success really look like for you individually and to not just, you know, not to think, you gotta think long term around friends, relationships, uh, the people that you're spending all your time with. That was the other thing that I thought was amazing about that documentary is it really helped people. I hope it helped people look at like the long-term effects of the choices we make. I mean, that's the heart of what I think that film is about. Yeah, for sure. So, thank you. Appreciate yeah, that. thank you so much. So yeah, much, thanks, Shane. Yeah, and hope, hope to see you again, man. Thanks a lot. So. Same here. Thanks, guys. That concludes this episode of the Steady Trade Podcast. And as usual, if you have any questions, concerns, or recommendations for us, please check us out at SteadyTrade.com, where we actually post transcripts of the episode and recap blog posts of the episode. It's a great resource if you're looking to expand your trading and get a more immersive experience from the Steady Trade Podcast. 